Days 21 through 23 of Think Well in It by Bishop Richard Challoner. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. 21st Day Undoing Penance for Our Sins. Consider first these words of Christ, Luke 13, 3 and 5. Except ye do penance, ye shall all perish. Behold, here is a general rule, nor does our Lord make any exception. Penance, then, is necessary. First, for those whose conscience accuses them of mortal sin. Alas, such as these must either do penance for their sins or burn for them for all eternity. Poor sinners, their state is most deplorable. They are playing upon the brink of hell, and every moment one or another of them is tumbling into that bottomless pit, and it is possible they should be unconcerned under so great and evident a danger. Why then do they not lay hold of the grace of penance, the only plank that can save them from shipwreck, the only means left for the salvation of their souls? Secondly, penance is necessary for all those who, though their conscience accuses them not at present, yet have in their past life been guilty of such mortal offenses. Ah, Christians, one mortal sin is enough for us to do penance during all our life, and how can we do less if we consider what mortal sin is, what it is to have been the enemies of God, what it is to have been under the sentence of eternal damnation, and never to know for certain whether this sentence has been cancelled. Is not this sufficient to obligate us to a penitential life? Can we otherwise pretend to be secure? Even these, and God best knows how few they are, who are not conscious to themselves at having committed such a sin in their whole life, must therefore think themselves exempt from the obligation of doing penance, as well because of their own hidden sins, as of those which they may have occasioned in others. For no man knows whether he be worthy of love or hatred. Ecclesiasticus 8 verse 9 as also because a penitential life is the very best security against sin, which will insensibly prevail over us, if not curbed by self-denial, mortification, and penance. Consider, secondly, that as in the method of penance, different rules must be prescribed to different persons. Those who have the misfortune to be actually in the state of mortal sin, or what is still more deplorable, are plunged in the depth of a habit of one or more kinds of mortal sin, as soon as their eyes are open to discover the hellish monster which they carry about with them, must, like the prodigal child, arise without delay and return to their father. A sacrifice of a contrite and humble heart is what God, above all things, requires at their hands. This ought to be the sole foundation of their penance. Without this, corporal austerities will be of small amount. Such sinners ought to allow themselves no respite till they have made their peace with God. Their sins ought to be always before their eyes. Their first thoughts in the morning ought to be upon their misfortune, in being at so great a distance from God, enslaved by the devil, and liable to be his companions in eternal misery. The like ought to be their last thoughts at night, when, like the penitent David, they ought to wash their beds with their tears, as often as they appear before their God in prayer. It ought to be in the spirits of the humble publican, looking upon themselves as unworthy to lift up their eyes to heaven, or towards the altar of God, and with him striking their breasts, with a, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. Thus will they certainly obtain mercy from him, who is the Father of mercy. 
consider thirdly that after the sinner has done his best endeavors to seek a reconciliation with his offended god by a sincere repentance and a confession of his sins he must not think himself exempt from any other penance as if he had now no just debt to discharge to the justice of god nor obligation of making satisfaction for his sins by penitential works or of bringing forth fruits worthy of penance this would be a great and dangerous error nor must he content himself with barely acquitting himself of the penance enjoined by his confessor which is it is to be feared seldom sufficient to satisfy the justice of god alas if sinners were truly sensible of the enormous injury done to god by mortal sin as true penitence must be they would certainly do penance in another manner than too many do they would be more in earnest in chastising their sinful flesh by penitential works and thus making a more proportionable satisfaction for their past treasons consider fourthly that the true manner of doing penance for our sins is better learnt from the holy fathers and doctors of the church than from the loose maxims of worldlings or the practice of too many penitents in this degenerate age let us give ear then to those lights of the church and follow their direction on this important subject god himself has taught us says saint cyprian in what manner we are to crave mercy of him he himself says return to me with your whole heart in fasting and weeping and mourning joel two let us then return to the lord with our whole heart let us appease his wrath by fasting weeping and mourning as he admonishes us let the greatness of our grief equal the heinousness of our sins we must pray earnestly we must pass the day in mourning and the night in watching and weeping spending all our time in penitential tears our lodging should be on the floor strewed with ashes our covering haircloth etc after having cast off the garment of christ we should not now seek any worldly clothing we must employ ourselves now in good works by which our sins may be purged away we must give frequent alms by which our souls may be delivered from death so far saint cyprian with whom agrees saint patient in his exhortation to penance if any one call you to a bath you must renounce all such delights if any one invites you to a banquet you must say such invitations are for those that have not had the misfortune to lose their god but i have sinned against the lord and am in danger of perishing eternally what have i to do with feasts that have offended my god you must make your court to the poor you must beg the prayers of widows you must cast yourself at the feet of the priests you must implore the intercession of the church you must try all means which may prevent your perishing everlasting and saint ambrose in the second book of penance chapter ten can any one imagine that he is doing penance whilst he is indulging his ambition in the pursuit of honors whilst he is swallowing wine etc the true penitent must renounce the world must abridge even necessary time of sleep must interrupt it with his sighs and cut it short with his prayers and saint caesarus of arles homily eight as often as we visit the sick or those that are in prison or reconcile together those that are at variance with each other as often as we fast on days commanded by the church give alms to the poor that pass by our door etc by these and such like works our small sins are daily redeemed but this alone is not enough for capital crimes we must add tears lamentations and long fasts and give alms to the utmost of our power thus as the same saint tells us homily one by present mortification 
will be prevented the future sentence of eternal death thus by humbling the guilty will the guilty be consumed and by this voluntary severity the wrath of a dreadful judge will be appeased these short penitential labors will pay off those vast debts which otherwise everlasting burning will never be able to discharge christians let us follow in practice these excellent guides twenty-second day against delay of repentance consider first that of all the deceits by which satan deludes sinners to their eternal ruin there is none greater or more dangerous than when he persuades them to put off their repentance and conversion from time to time till no more time remains for repentance alas thousands nay millions of poor souls have been thus betrayed into everlasting flames who never deigned to damn themselves by dying in sin any more than we do at present but by putting off their conversion they have by a just judgment of god been at last surprised by death when they least expected it and by dying as they lived have been justly sentenced to that second and everlasting death unhappy wretches who would not believe their just judge who so often cautions them to watch and declares in the gospel that otherwise he shall come at a time when they least expect him ah how dreadful and how common are these unprovided deaths consider secondly the great presumption of sinners who put off their reconciliation with an offended god till another time shutting their ears to his voice by which he calls them at present and refusing him entrance into their hearts where he stands and knocks alas if he withdraw himself they are undone forever how dare they then treat him with so much contempt is it not an infinite goodness and inexpressible condensation in this sovereign majesty to call after them whilst they are running from him and so eagerly to press them without any interest on his side to return to him who is their only good and supreme happiness what then ought they not to apprehend from his justice if they obstinately and insolently refuse to embrace his mercy how dare they pretend to dispose of their time to come or promise themselves greater graces hereafter than those which they now abuse do they not know that god alone is master of time and grace and that by his just judgment those who presume to tempt him in this manner generally speaking die in their sins ah it is too true that he who has promised pardon to the sinner that is sincerely converted has neither promised time nor efficacious grace to those who defer their conversion consider thirdly the great folly of sinners who put off their conversion to god till another time under pretense of doing it more easily hereafter whereas both reason and experience make it evident that the longer they defer this work the more difficulties they meet to compass it and how can it be otherwise since by this delay and by adding daily sin to sin their sinful habits gather strength the devil's power over them increases and god who is daily more and more provoked is by degrees less liberal of his graces so that they become less frequent and pressing till at length by accustoming themselves to resist his grace they fall into the wretched state of blindness and hardness of heart the broad road to final impenitence consider fourthly the unparalleled madness of those who defer their conversion upon the confidence of a deathbed repentance designing to put a cheat upon the justice of god by indulging themselves in sin all their lifetime and then making their peace with god when they can sin no longer unhappy wretches consider that god is not to be mocked 
that what a man soweth, the same shall he reap. Galatians 6.6 6. The general rule is that as a man lives, so he dies. A rule so general that in the whole scripture we have but one example of a person who died well after a wicked life, viz. the good thief. An example so singular in all its circumstances as to give no encouragement to sinners who entertain a premeditated design of cheating the justice of God by a deathbed conversion. Ah, how dreadfully difficult must it be for the dying sinner in whom the habit of sin is by long custom turned into a second nature to attain to a thorough change of heart, sincere sorrow and destation of sin, love of God above all things, which he never thought of in his lifetime, and which now becomes indispensably necessary. Ah, how deceitful are those tears which are often shed by dying sinners, as may be seen in the case of King Antiochus, who, being wholly influenced by the fear of death, prevailed not with the just judge and if there be so much danger even when tears are plentifully shed what must there be when as it commonly happens either the dullness and stupidity caused by the sickness or the pains and agonies of the body and mind are so great as to hinder any serious application of our thoughts to the greatest of all concerns for if a headache be enough to hinder us from being able to pray with devotion what an obstacle to prayer must not the agonies of death be? No wonder, then, that the saints and servants of God make so little account of those deathbed performances, especially since, as we see by daily experience, that those who made the greatest show of repentance when they were in danger of death no sooner escaped that danger, but are still the same men they were before. O Christians, let us not then be imposed upon by the false and flattering discourses of men who are so free in pronouncing favorably of all those who after a life spent in sin make some show of repentance at their death let us rather tremble at the deplorable case of such souls and remember that the judgments of god are very different from those of men twenty-third day on time and eternity consider first how precious a thing time is which we are apt to squander away as if it were no value Time is the measure of our lives, and as much as we lose our time, so much of our life is absolutely lost. Time is given us in order to gain eternity, and there is not one moment of time in which we may not work for eternity, and in which we may not store up immense and everlasting treasures. As many, therefore, as we lose of these precious moments are so many lost eternities. The present is the only time of working. It is the only time we can call our own, and God only knows how long it will last. It is short, it flies away in an instant, and when once it is gone, it cannot be recalled. The very moment in which we are reading this line is just passing, never, no, never more to return. Every hour is posting away, without stopping one moment, till it be swallowed up in the immense gulf of eternity, and as many of these hours or moments as are lost, are lost forever. The loss is irreparable. Learn hence, O my soul, to set a just value upon the present time. Learn to husband it well by employing it in good works. Consider secondly, Christian soul, what thy thoughts will be at the approach of death, of the value of time, which thou makest so little account of at present. What wouldest thou not then give for some of those hours which thou now losest in vanity and sin? Ah, the dreadful anguish that will rack the soul of the dying sinner, when seeing himself at the brink of a miserable eternity, 
he shall wish a thousand times but in vain that he could recall one day or even one hour of his pastime and had but the same health and strength as he formerly had to employ it in the love of god and sincere repentance for his sins ah worldlings why are you then so blind as not to see that any one of these hours which you daily squander away is indeed more valuable than ten thousand worlds consider thirdly what will be the sediments of the damned of the value of time when time shall be no more how bitterly will they regret during eternity all those hours days months and years which were allowed them by the bounty of their creator during the space of this mortal life by the due employment of which they might have prevented that misery to which they are now irrecoverably condemned and might have made themselves eternally and infinitely happy but alas they would not work whilst the time was whilst they had the daylight before them the night the dismal and eternal night is now come in which it is too late to work and during which they shall eternally condemn their past folly and madness in neglecting and abusing their precious time ah christians let us be wise at their expense but what do you think will be the sentiments of the blessed in heaven of this precious time truly if it were possible and if their happy state could admit of such a thing as grief there is nothing those blessed souls would regret more than the loss of those moments which in their lifetime had not been well husbanded when they shall clearly see in the light of god what an immense increase of glory and happiness they might have acquired by the due employment of those precious moments consider fourthly that as all time is short and passes quickly away so all temporal enjoyments honors riches and pleasures of this world are all transitory uncertain and inconstant only eternity and the goods or evils which it comprises are truly great as being without end without change without comparison admitting of no mixture of evil in its goods nor any alloy of comfort in its evils oh the vanity of all temporal grandeur which must soon be buried in the coffin oh how quickly does the glory of this world pass away a few short years are more than any one can promise himself and after that poor sinner what will become of these alas the worms will prey upon the body and the merciless devils on thy unrepenting soul thy worldly friends will forget thee the very stones on which thou hast got thy name engraved will not long outlive thee oh how true is that sentence vanity of vanities and all is vanity but to love god and to serve him alone it is thus only we shall be wise for eternity all other wisdom is but folly end of days twenty one through twenty three